Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And it says this, And it came to pass... In those days, that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into, into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We spoke about not having room in the inn last week. And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. Everybody say thing. thing. Notice that the Bible uses these terms. Let us go see this thing that has happened. And so they came and found the baby lying in the manger they found the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in this manger. When they had seen him, they made widely known this saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by them, by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all these things that they had heard and seen as it was Told to them. When you think of the arrival of Jesus coming to earth in the form of a human body, taking on flesh, it's pretty incredible. When you think about it, at least I've been thinking about it, in particular during the Christmas season, there was so much happening during that time. I think both heaven and hell was shaking and quaking. There are so many different positive events that were happening, and simultaneously there was a lot of negative events that were 
taking place because the Christ child was being born. Some of the positives I'd like to highlight this morning was the fact that there was a star that shows up to these wise men. I mean, my father wasn't even, I don't even know if my father was in the room when I was born. It's, it's funny now, 30 years later plus, but I mean, a star shows up because the Christ child. I mean, that's pretty supernatural. Did, did you have a star <laughs> pop up when you were born? I mean, it's, it's pretty neat. And not only does a star pop up, but literally it pops up, and, and the Bible says it, that the star went before them. In other words, it's basically leading these wise men by the hand to the place where Jesus Christ would be born. And then, of course, the amazing moment of Jesus Christ being born in the earth through a virgin, I might say. I mean, who in here is married or, you know, have been married? I mean, can you imagine your wife going to you and saying, I'm pregnant? I mean, you know, they knew of the prophecies, but... To, to have a young girl, I believe she was around 14. Some theologians say different. She was around, I believe she was 14 years old. She's pregnant. If your wife comes to you pregnant, excuse me, your fiance, not even married yet. I mean, if, if I were in Joseph's shoes, that would have been more than likely I would have got off the train right then and there if my wife told me she got pregnant by God. It sounds pretty crazy when you begin to really think about the story. I mean, we see it from a vantage point, but Joseph doesn't see what happened. He didn't see the angel, and she gives this whole spiel, the fact that an angel came to me, I ended up getting pregnant, and, and that's kind of the story. So many amazing different moments. And then there's some pretty amazing moments that happen kind of on the dark side. And a few of those things is the fact that Herod the king inquires where the Christ child was to be born according to prophecy, not because he wants to worship him like he says he wants to, but he wants to kill the Christ child because he's familiar with the prophecies on what would happen with this Messiah that was to be born. He was afraid that his government would be overthrown by, the, by this king if he were to allow him to mature and grow of age. And of course, the wise men, their lives get threatened because they have a dream, the fact that Herod's gonna kill this child, and so they flee another way home. They don't wanna face Herod. So Herod goes on a rampage looking for them, and not only looking for them, he makes his way, he sends his soldiers to where Jesus was born, and they kill every male child under two years old. There was a bloodbath in the city. What am I trying to say? I think about all these demonic forces that are being stirred up because Jesus was being born in the earth. All these demonic spirits, if you will, lining the tree line around the fact that the Christ child would be born accompanied with angels. All these different things happen, happening simultaneously. I believe it was because the enemy was confounded and confused because the enemy had been here for thousands of years up to that point. I wonder if they had to be wondering, what in the world is he doing here? Have you thought about that? All these years, there were little glimpses 
God would take little steps towards humanity, but he had never been physically with humanity. He took steps. What do I mean by steps? He sent the tabernacle through Moses. That was a shadow of what Jesus, it was just a step. Everybody say a step. The Bible says that the presence of God, literally the Shekinah glory dwelt over the tabernacle. We've talked about that. How there was a physical presence on top of this tabernacle. God's presence was among his people, but he physically wasn't among his people. And then fast forward into Luke chapter two, God takes another step towards humanity. And hell and every demon and every demonic force begins to shake in its boots because they're wondering all this time there's been types and shadows of your presence coming, but now you're here in physical form. What are you up to now? And so all these things are happening. And you know what I believe it is? It was, it was because of what God had planned to do. See, the enemy, he's not omniscient. Everybody say omniscient. Simply mean he doesn't know everything. He can only wonder what God's gonna do in your life. I hear a lot of preachers say, well, God knows, the enemy knows exactly what God knows. That's not necessarily true. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. God knows everything. And he's not omnipresent either, like God is. God's everywhere all at one time simultaneously. The enemy is not. He has limited access. He's limited. Everybody say he's limited. But he was clearly in fear because the enemy sent an onslaught to try to kill Jesus since the day he was born. And what I'd like to do this morning is unravel some of the layers on what was happening that morning when Jesus Christ was born and the reason for the attacks. And, and maybe it can become applicable to your situation because many of you are going through a season right now where there's onslaughts in spite of Christmas season, in spite of this supposedly being the most peaceful time of the year. Because oftentimes when the enemy is seeing that God is up to something, he launches his greatest attacks. Oftentimes when God is about to do something in your life, you go through extreme mental battles. Why? Because the enemy wants to sift you like wheat. Things will happen in your family. The enemy is a masterful at attacking finances, getting people discouraged, and getting them to mistrust God and disbelieve God, all in an attempt to get you to abort what God wants to do in your life. Yesterday, I'm going to take a little bunny trail. Yesterday, I, was, I went to Wendy's. You guys can pray for me. I don't always eat healthy. I, I went to Wendy's, and my wife and I, we were in different vehicles, we were driving separate vehicles. I had the kids with me, and I was giving her a peaceful moment. The kids wanted to ride with me. We were going to an event. Um, how many went to Jesus 20 last night? Did anybody go? We were there with probably, God, I don't want to exaggerate. You know, preachers can exaggerate. There's 10 people in the room, and we say 100, you know. But there was thousands of people there gathering. Um, anyway, it was a powerful time. So on our, our way there, we stopped and grabbed something to, to eat, and um, I was first in line, and my wife and I are still, um, even after a few years, we still play jokes on each other. Like, we still stand behind corners and scare each other and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, so I'm in the front of the line, and um, I'm paying for my food. My wife's behind me. We're ordering, you know, separately. You know, we just do weird things like that sometimes. And I, and I say, ma'am, um, do me a favor, the lady at the window, because my wife doesn't like, how many... Ladies do not like when you order something and then you, 
you pay for it, and then they tell you, don't, you they don't have it. So I told, it wasn't a lie, it was just a, you know, <laughs> I was just playing a joke. So I said, make sure you tell my wife that you have none of those items that she just paid for. Even during, yes, pray for me. She just said I'm evil for that because I knew it gets, I knew it stirs her up. And around Christmas time, she never knows what she's going to get because if it's a small gift, I may wrap in really large boxes and it comes in layers, you know, and, uh, you know, I'll grab whatever I have to wood, rocks, whatever, to make it feel really heavy. Has anybody, is anybody as goofy as I am? I like to pray, play tricks. Some things don't change all the, you know, most things change with me, but being a, a bit of a jokester was not one of them things that changed in me. And so, um, when I, when I think about layered gifts, like what I do to my wife just about every year, um, I think about one of the reasons why the enemy launched such an outright attack on Jesus. Because there were layers to Jesus' birth. Somebody say there were layers. I want to show you what I mean this morning by layers. So last night I had someone wrap this amazing gift. So today I want to preach this message called the layered gift. Everybody say the layered gift. Watch what it says. Here's what I mean by a layered gift, and here's why I came up with it. I read this verse of scripture. I read it a minute ago. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 15. And it says this So, when it was the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing. Now, that sounds offensive when you call God a thing. But when you really read into what the scripture is trying to say, it's trying to say this thing is so insurmountable that we can't, give to, we can't give earthly words or description to what's about to be born. This is not just another prophet named Isaiah being born. This is, just, this is not just another Moses being born. I mean, Moses was attacked when he was born. Remember, they sent him down the river. There was an outright attack even on his life. There was babies that were killed in his life, kind of a similar attack because of the calling. But this wasn't just another someone, another, another prophet or another priest or another Levite being born. This thing that was about to be born had many, many layers to it. And so the enemy sends an outright attack because he doesn't want prophecy to come to pass. And so one of the first layers, obvious layers, and one that I, I have to almost publicly repent of being a Christian, because sometimes I think when we get saved, we really forget about the great gift that God gave through the salvation that he offered through his son, Jesus. So that's one of the first layers, I believe. You know, I have to be admitting this morning is eternal life was not something I gave a whole lot of thought when I got saved. Can I just be honest in the church just, just for a few moments? And I have preached about this before, but when I got saved, my situation was so messed up, I just wanted to get saved from my situation. I wasn't even nowhere even thinking about eternal life. I was so bound by, by drugs and alcohol and bound by lifestyle, I'm not, I'm not even thinking that far ahead. Come on, can I be honest? Is, is there anybody here like that? Lord, just change me. Let's start there. Let's... 
change my situation, help me and my family, deliver me from what I'm going through right now. I can just use a little bit of peace right now. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that you're offering this eternal gift, which is absolutely amazing, but I just need peace right now. I need you to move in my situation right now. But if I'm being honest, this is one of God's greatest gifts. Can you think about it? All these years, generations and generations of the, the, the Levitical priesthood going through these sacramental, these sacraments of slaying lambs over and over again every year. You know what I thought about? <laughs> it was last night. What if, what if, because the, the lambs and the, the animals that were sacrificed were for the remission of sins, what if they died on day 364? right before the lambs got slain for the forgiveness of sin. I'd really, I'd really like the answer to that because once a year, these sacraments had to be made. Every year, at the end of the year, they'd have to go present a lamb. They would slay it. The blood would be sprinkled on the altar, forgiven of their sins. But what if they would have died like in the sixth month before this ceremony took place? Has anybody ever thought about that? And so you have to think about what God just did when he sent Jesus into the world to die for your sins. No more would humanity have to make, have to cut a lamb's throat in order to get their sins forgiven. For, from generation to generation, everybody who would believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior, your sins would be washed away in the sea of forgetfulness. So of course, hell would be stirred at the fact that Jesus Christ was born. They were like, what is this guy up to? And even an attempt to think that they're gonna stop him. They can't even stop him when they kill him. As a matter of fact, in an attempt to stop him in his tracks and kill him, they actually fulfilled the prophecy that the Lamb of God would be slayed for the sins of humanity. And so before this Christ child was born, there was an iron curtain. An iron curtain, not just a veil. An iron curtain between you and your relationship with God and not just you and your relationship with God. Meaning if you died in your sins, you were doomed to eternal separation forever with no reconciliation. Jesus paid the ultimate Price. So when Jesus was born, one of the layers to his greatest gifts that he gave humanity was salvation. As I spend more and more time with Christians, I wonder what that really means. Because I don't think we take advantage of it. Saved from what? And for what? Do you know you were saved for a divine purpose? Jesus came and died for you, yes, so that he could reconcile you and I with God the Father for eternity, but he died for bigger reasons than that, for a greater significance than that. The Bible says we should occupy till he comes. You, you understand what I'm saying? Is everybody awake this morning? Yes. And when I found out this Christ child, the reason why I called this message the layered gift is because the more that his story, Jesus unravels his story, the more layers you begin to find. So not only was he the savior of the world. Can somebody come and move this for me so everybody can kind of see? Not only 
Was he the savior of the world? But as we unraveled this layer, maybe put it in the front here of the pulpit, turn it, turn it the other way. There's a label on the front, there you go. He was not only the savior of the world, but he was the deliverer. He was a gift of deliverance. He was many packages within one package. It was not just like the prophets. They were one gift. They were a prophet to the nations. But Jesus was the priest. He was the prophet. He was the one who would be the lamb. He was the one who would eventually slay the lamb. Come on, y'all ain't talking to me this morning. There was many packages within this one child. He was a deliverer. Come on, somebody say he was a deliverer. He was the Savior and he was the Deliverer. I love this verse of scripture. It's been ringing in my heart this morning, and this is where I might jump over the front row, so be careful if you're in the splash section. There's only a few of you, so you don't have to worry. He said, the Spirit, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. He sent me to heal. Come on, watch this. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of of the sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed. I want you to watch these three things in this. It's power packed. It's, it, there's five things that's described in this. This is the layered gift. Everybody say the layered gift. Number one, he, if I can teach for a moment, he was called to preach the gospel. He was called to preach the gospel. Everybody say he was called to preach the gospel. Now watch this. He was called to heal the brokenhearted, he was called to set captives free. He was called to open the blind eyes. He was called to give freedom to the oppressed. Now, now, now watch this. Out of these five things mentioned in what Jesus' main ministry was, quoting it from Isaiah, three of them mentioned deliverance. We don't see that in many churches anymore. We don't preach about deliverance. We preach you happy, but we don't preach you free. Three of those five things were Jesus setting people free from their bondages. Let me tell you about the first one. He was called to heal the brokenhearted. When people think of deliverance, they automatically think of demons and people convulsing and demons coming out of people. And yes, if you stick around here long enough, you may just see that. But that, that was not all he, that's not what he meant by healing the brokenhearted because he's talking about the heart. Everybody say the heart. He's, he's, he, he wants to heal your brokenness. Yeah, yeah. If you've been married and divorced and you're having struggles getting into another relationship because you have brokenness, Jesus was that layered gift and he's here today by his spirit because he wants to heal your brokenness. If you have things and scars from the past based on your upbringing, guess what? One of those Five things that Jesus came to do is heal that pattern that your family has set for you. He is a savior, but he's also a deliverer. You know what I can't stand to see? It bothers me so much when a Christian, a Christ-proclaiming believer, and I don't believe it's our fault. I believe it's a lack of good, true teaching. That's what I believe it is. Ignorance is not bliss. But, but Jesus came to deliver us and set us free spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Catherine Coleman said it like this. People cannot preach, or excuse me, people cannot give of you what they haven't experienced themselves. 
And so I'm about to use myself as an example this morning, if it's okay, not to put light on me, but, but I often, when I hear, and I'm not, I'm not knocking other ministers, but, but I, I oftentimes, and sometimes I'm guilty of it, of, because they don't have content in their own life, they have to use somebody else's. But I'm gonna use content from my own life, and here's what I mean. Heal the brokenhearted. Everybody say, he was, he was called to heal the brokenhearted. He was a deliverer. Before I decided to pastor, this was almost five years ago, I really refused. And it's not because I didn't love Jesus. Can I, can I, can I take off my armor and let you see some scars for a moment? They're only scars, and I show you them because they're healed now. But I didn't want to pastor. I sat down with a good friend of mine. Most of you would know his name. And I said, you know what, pastor? I said, I feel the Lord calling me, but I have a problem. I said, I can minister, but I don't know about pastoring. It's because the things I had been through growing up, my dad was brutally murdered when I was nine. I, I, I didn't grow up in the most functional home. My, my mother was single. She worked three jobs. God bless my mother. My mother was amazing. She was mom and dad. She's my, one of my best friends, her and my wife. She's an amazing woman. But she... God didn't create it that way. It wasn't supposed to be that way. So I ran the streets and I sold drugs. I did things. So, so the things that I had experienced at an early age by losing my father, I, 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 there was a bit of wounding that was on my heart. And, and not even toward, maybe it was towards God, but I, I, I didn't have much compassion. And so although I can encourage people from a distance privately, when people would come to me with their problems, it was hard for me to be moved by tears. I'm not preaching to the right crowd this morning. I, 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 it wasn't that I didn't love Jesus. is I wasn't compassionate. In order to pastor, you have to have some compassion. And so when people would come to me, picture it like this. You have a maimed arm and you're missing an arm and then someone comes and shows you their bruise on their fingernail. That, that was my thinking. Can I be honest this morning? And, and, and so here's what I asked the Lord to do. I said to my friend, I said, I don't know if I can do this. I said, I, there's still, there's some hardness. That I, need, I need compassion in my heart. I, I want to be able to cry with people. I want to be able to rejoice with people. And, and this is just not in my DNA just yet. I go home and I cry out to the Lord. I say, Lord, heal my brokenheartedness. Be my deliverer. And I begin to speak over my own heart and, and appropriate the blood of Jesus to that area of my woundedness. See, it works, but you got to appropriate it. And all of a sudden, the next couple of weeks, people would begin to share their stories. And, and, and that Donnie who, who was unmoved, who was so wounded and scarred and calloused in his heart, not because I, I didn't look down at people, I just, I didn't have compassion. I began to weep over someone not being able to pay their bills. If someone was hurting, God began to, because he's not only a savior from hell, he is a deliverer. And he began to heal the brokenness of my own heart and my own woundedness. Do you know the presence of the Lord is here this morning, no matter what it is your brokenness is? You, can, you could have lost your father like I've lost mine, maybe to a disease. And, and, and maybe it's hindering something in your own personal life. The Holy Spirit is here to heal your brokenness. Why? Because he is a deliverer. He is a deliverer. Everybody say he's a deliverer. Number two, 
he sets captives free, Isaiah says. He sets the captives free. It doesn't matter if you're captive by sexual sin. It doesn't matter if it's an attitude. Because sometimes it's not outward. Sometimes it's an inward. It doesn't matter if it's an addiction. He still sets captives free today. This gift had many layers to it. He is a deliverer by his nature. He's a deliverer. Number three is he gives freedom to the oppressed. I'm about to... I'm about to Slide you a plate that's pretty heavy. And again, I'm using my own self as an example. Everybody say he gives freedom to the oppressed. Jesus went very few places where he didn't cast out demons. Did you think about that? He went very few places. And the places he didn't, he wasn't welcomed. I remember early on, this was one of my first experiences as a Christian. Are you ready? I walk into a service. Now I knew it to be the glory of God. Everybody was speaking in a weird language. The worship was, I mean, people were on their faces everywhere. And this was when my brother had first got saved and he was praying for me. He would break open the Bible, start preaching at me, and my skin would just crawl. But I loved Jesus. I believed I was saved. I, I had, before that, I had given Jesus Christ my heart, but I was still oppressed. Did you know, a lot of people get confused with possession and oppression. There's a difference. I walk into this service. My skin is crawling all over me. And I hear this voice in my head, get out of here. <laughs> get out of this atmosphere. These people are weird. The problem was, is I knew enough of the Bible to know what they were doing was biblical. My skin was crawling. The weight got on me so much that I, 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 I remember waking up on, crouched on a seat. And I was probably there for over an hour. And you know what I knew it to be? The demonic oppression in my life. Because of all the doors I had opened in my life. Do you know he's not just a savior? If you struggle with something in your mind, negative thinking, negative pictures, can I preach like this to you? Yes. Come on, the church, we need, as the church, we need to live out the freedom that we proclaim. Yes. If you're struggling in your body or with your sexuality or certain tendencies or watching certain things that you shouldn't be watching and you're constantly pulled to those certain things, can I tell you? You can quote scriptures all day, but until the Lord and you ask the Lord to deliver you from that oppression, from that demonic influence, you will remain bound. But listen, you don't have to remain bound this morning because the Spirit of the Lord is here. And the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He's a deliverer. I got up off of my face. I never had that problem ever again. I knew enough to I said to myself, Donnie, you need to stay in this. It felt like acid on an open wound. And the Lord was delivering me. And here's the beauty of it. You don't hear this anymore. I didn't have hands laid on me. I knew enough to, if I stayed in the presence, them devils that were keeping me bound, the, all those things that were stirring up in me, I knew if I stayed long enough in the presence of the Lord that the Lord would set me free. Listen, you don't need hands laid on you, and that's good if you do. If you just simply get into the presence of the Lord, no matter what you're struggling with, let me tell you something, the oil, when it gets on you, when the anointing gets on you, everything that doesn't belong on you begins to wipe off of you, and you begin to experience the freedom that the Lord died to give you. 
I'm going to give you one more quick testimony, and I won't be much longer. Is this okay? I had a good friend of mine, and I have sometimes debates with my friends, theological debates, good ones. And we were talking about believers not being able to be possessed or oppressed. And there's a good friend that I have that I know. And if I mentioned his name, you would know it. If you, you listen to Christian music, it's, it's all over the world. Or if you, he's a, he's a minister, he's a, he's a minister. And we were talking and I, and I felt something. So I connected with him and I felt something from the Lord to share with him. And that day I shared with him about forgiveness and about how I forgive the murderers of my father. And as he began to share his heart, I didn't know this, but I seen him clenching in his seat. Now, this is a person who ministers in front of lots of people. He was clenching. He was clenching. He would later tell me that he got on the phone shortly after. It was a month or two later. He reached out to me and said, Donnie, I just want to thank you so much because I went for deliverance after you spoke that to me. And, and as he was going through deliverance, he began to manifest. He said, I was, this is somebody who has it together. But as he was attempting to forgive, his tongue got caught in his mouth. He said he began to scratch himself. He began to hurt himself. This is somebody completely sane. This is somebody who gets up and ministers in front of crowds of people. He began to manifest, and the Lord set him free from that oppression, that demonic oppression right on the spot. And he called me, and he had thanked me. Why am I telling you this? Let me just say this. Unforgiveness is one of the quickest doors that you can open to allow demonic activity in your heart. Unforgiveness is the quickest way. As a matter of fact, the Bible is so, is so sharp about this. Jesus said, listen, don't even pray to me. He says, leave your gift at the altar. Don't ask me for anything until you go reconcile with your brother. In other words, go make it right. Go forgive. Unforgiveness is the quickest way to open your heart to hardness of heart. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says, if you do not forgive, the Lord will not forgive you. Can we preach truth in the church anymore? Can we preach holiness anymore? Thirdly, the third gift that Jesus came wrapped in on that morning in that manger, it was a kingdom. It was a kingdom. Everybody say a kingdom. He came wrapped in swaddling clothes, but can I tell you, he came wrapped with salvation, he came wrapped with deliverance, and he came wrapped with a kingdom. You know, the religious leaders, and more so his disciples, were angry with him because he wasn't there to establish an earthly kingdom. He came to establish a heavenly kingdom. I think about this scripture. The kingdom is not here or there. It's righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Ghost or in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? The kingdom is not out there. The kingdom is within. The kingdom is within. It's, it's in you. Look at somebody and say, it's in you. The, ki the kingdom is in you. This is why you can have somebody walking in, in freedom. And this is, this is an encouragement to ministers. If, if, if there's any ministers listening to me or watching me, we oftentimes look for crowds. Can I tell you this? I've been in big crowds and no real moving of the Holy Spirit. That is not a validation of where the kingdom is at, although it can be. It's not always a validation. Can I tell you what evidence that the kingdom is at work in your life? And Jesus died to establish that kingdom in you. 
Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter if you have crowds or not. It doesn't matter if you have people or not. Here's my question. Do you have the kingdom in you? The kingdom is not here or there. We're looking for an external kingdom. And yes, we want to see revival. Yes, we want to see awakening. But can I tell you what we need to see more than ever before? We don't need to see crowds. We need to see the kingdom established in the earth. Healings, miracles, signs, wonders, presence. Come on. We need to see the kingdom at work in our lives. And Jesus died to reveal a kingdom. And the kingdom is within Look at somebody again with conviction in your eyes. It's within. Stop looking for peace in people. It's within. Stop looking for your next step. It's within. It's not about what's next. As a matter of fact, all those thousands of years ago, over 2,000 years ago, what was John preaching? Repent for the kingdom is now. The kingdom of God is near. It's here. Can I tell you now? The kingdom is here. The Holy Spirit spoke to me before this service, and he said these simple words to me. You cannot attain the kingdom carnally. We don't have this kind of talk anymore, do we? Carnally, meaning with your mind. You can't reason the kingdom. We are looking for an external kingdom to happen. Can I tell you, you can have peace and joy in the midst of chaos. And let me tell you, I'm not preaching that because I have peace in my life. Everything can be going wrong in your life and the things, things that you want to be happening not be happening and you still have peace, joy, and be filled with the Spirit and filled with peace. Come on. Because the kingdom is not without. And if the devil knows he can move you, he will make sure, if, if he knows he can move you externally, he will make sure that your life remains in chaos. But can I tell you, when you allow the kingdom to be revealed in you, when you allow the Lord to establish his kingdom in you by you focusing upon him, by you allowing him to do his work in your life, the devil will leave you alone. Oh, you want scripture? Fine. You remember in the wilderness, in Matthew, Jesus goes into the wilderness, and what did the devil do? He tried to tempt Jesus with three different things. What does the Bible say? When Jesus resisted him with the word, it says the devil left. Jesus wouldn't give in. And the Bible says the enemy left until an opportune time. He, he left for an opportune time. When was the opportune time? You found him in the Garden of Eden. There was another opportunity for Jesus to begin to think carnally again. Should I go to the cross or should I not? Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass. Carnal. But he looked to the kingdom within. The Bible says that we have this treasure in earth and vessels. The devil's not after your finances. He's not after your family. He's not after your marriage. He's after the kingdom. We have this treasure in earth and vessels, Peter said. What is the treasure? It's the kingdom. So everything that you're going through right now it's because the enemy can sense the kingdom in you. He'll use depression. He'll use oppression. He'll use circumstances. He'll use finances. He'll use whatever he can to dismantle the kingdom in your life. Come on, somebody say amen to that. He's after the kingdom. Can we stand to our feet? I love all these layers that Jesus was wrapped in. 
to be quite frank, salvation is indeed one of the greatest gifts because the Bible says it transferred us from darkness into the kingdom of light. There's nothing better than that. And of course, deliverance is an amazing gift and that we should all take advantage of because it's available for all of us. And deliverance looks different from all of us. There's some people in here that have no demonic oppression in their life or they may not have an addiction, but maybe you're depressed. But I'm so thankful that God didn't stop there. He came wrapped in a kingdom. And all those three gifts are available for you to open this morning. But besides salvation, one of my most favorite ones, we've in this, been in this series called Pursuing Presence or Make Room. I'm not sure whichever one fits you better. You know, you can use that one. But one of, one of my favorite things that Jesus was wrapped in that I love, and you hear me talk about this often, he came wrapped presence, not T-S, C-E-S. What, what, what do I mean by gift of presence? God was so good. Have you ever had a loved one come stay with you and then they hide the present and then they tell you where it is after they leave? Have you ever had that happen to you? Well, if that doesn't work for you, I want to tell you one thing Jesus did. I'll make it a little bit more applicable like this. Friends who, friends or family who live out of town, and because they can't get to you or they leave and they forgot to get you this gift or whatever it might be, they, they expedite the gift by calling or, or going online to Amazon Prime and sending you a gift. This is what Jesus did when he died. He left a gift behind. 50 days after Jesus ascended, another gift was coming and it was a gift called presence. We know it as the Holy Spirit. So Jesus goes to be with his heavenly Father. He sends the Holy Spirit. Listen what John chapter 16 verse 7 says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send you the present. I cannot and the Helper, capital H. He says, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I will send the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, send him, Lord, afresh. He already sent the Holy Spirit, but we need a, a fresh outpouring. Can I tell you this, church? We will not be able to survive spiritually if we do not have his presence in this season. Can I tell you this? Religion will not keep you based on what's gonna come. This is not the great tribulation yet. Whether we end up seeing it or not, that's not the point. The problem is, is we're living in difficult days and we have to have God's spirit on the inside of us if we're gonna withstand in this evil day. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come. It's guaranteed perilous times will come. Men will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, disobedient 
to parents, unthankful, unholy, lovers of selves rather than lovers of God, but from such turn away. You know how we're going to withstand the evil day? Presence. Presence. Can I tell you, my Christian walk of almost 19 years, 10 years of that was much without his presence. And we're going to withstand the onslaught from the enemy. If we're going to withstand this Christmas season, we need presence. The kind of presence that keeps you in your darkest hour. The kind of presence that keeps you when you're lonely. The kind of presence that fills you up when you're depressed or you're hurting inside. If you try to live out your walk with Jesus in your own strength, in the flesh, it's miserable. Not only that, but you're guaranteed to fail. But with the Holy Spirit, listen to me, there's nothing, nothing, nor height, nor depth. Nothing can separate you from God. Nothing is too hard for you to accomplish because it's not you, it's God in you. Come on, it's God in you working out his perfect will, causing you to thrive, not survive, but to thrive and to walk in victory in every area of your life. Can I tell you this? God's gift to a dying world was his son, but Jesus' gift to his church and to his people was presence. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.